In the six months leading up to the release of the massively multiplayer online role-playing game Star Wars The Old Republic, Star Wars fans were treated to the first comic in The Old Republic project to be published in physical form. That comic miniseries was The Old Republic, The Lost Sons, and we're going to talk about it today. You're listening to Legends Library from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Legends Library from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. I'm Johnny Maynard and I'm joined today by my usual partner in crime, the legendary librarian himself. It's Jesse Gardner. Hiya, Jess. Hiya. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks, Jess. I've got a bit of a grotty head cold, so uh, my apologies to you. Uh, and to everyone listening, um, more to you because I'll probably edit out the worst of the awful noises coming from me. Um, but you, <laughs> you're going to have to hear them yeah. before I get to the editing suite. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, but Jess, I, I think this is the last episode that you and I will be on this side of the holidays. Um, it's kind of crazy to think that we've been doing Legends Library, I guess, for around six months now. And, oh. and when we're heading now towards <laughs> the end of the year, the, the end of 2023. Um, what's uh, what's 2023 been like for you as a Star Wars fan? And what's your highlight? What have been your highlights oh, of 2023 wow. Star Wars wise? My highlights have been discovering, honestly, that AI can read Kindle books. And just closing in legends, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, and doing that, and really, honestly, doing this old Republic run with you because I avoided the era, mm. and now that I'm pushing to finish it all, I've basically gone through it all, and that's been a lot funner than I had kind of expected. Yeah, yeah. The High Republic novels, canon wise, have been great, and the announcement. Of the Essential mm. Legends audiobooks for next year, oh, oh, I am just yeah. tickled, tickled pink. I can't even express that. Yeah, that 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 was very very gratifying to see. And I, I guess that that was probably an issue that that you helped bring to to my mind um, as as a blind Star Wars fan um, who really relies on increasingly relies on the audio content. Yeah. Um. And that decision that seemed seemed to have been taken at at a point in time to to discontinue the audio versions of the Essential Legends really hit you know really hits folk like you hard. Yeah. You know? I said, and if it's getting me, I can't be the only one. So it's got to hit a group of people because we're getting up there. Totally. So it, it it it's great from an accessibility perspective. Um, the the fandom as a whole is, is being catered for in that way. And you know, for those of us who don't have those accessibility issues, it's just great to have the audio yeah. audiobook treatment being given to those works. You know, unabridged. Yeah, Mark Thompson. Yeah. Oh, I I shy away from saying the man can do no wrong because his Padme in Thrawn Alliances does really bother me. <laughs> but but that, uh, that small caveat yeah. aside. I think he's not... He is Grand Admiral Thrawn. And I think that's... Like, Jonathan Davis, for me, is perfect for the prequels. It's like, he can do Anakin, he can do everybody. And Mark Thompson, I love Mark Thompson, but not so much for the prequel era. Which is why we've got Jonathan yeah. Davis. And then, you know, you've yeah. got the 
the voice of Thrawn, and he's just not the voice of Padme or Anakin. It just it sounded like Keanu. No, no. Like not quite Padme. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It, it, interesting that you mention um, the sort of Old Republic run uh, as, as being a highlight. That certainly has been for me as well, actually. Uh, this was the year that I finally read all of the Old Republic era. Um, n- not Not as part of what we've been doing here but that's just part of my own general trot through stuff that i've missed for a long time but it's been great to then have to come back and reread them again so soon uh, as part of doing this legends library run through the um the legends timeline um a much overlooked era i think particularly for canon fans and 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 i think for folk like you and me who were fans of the prequels and fans through thick and thin um who didn't we, we we weren't really jiving with a lot of the sort of the the prequel bashing and whining no. that seemed to go I, hand I, in hand with old republic fandom back in the yeah you know, 2010 2011 you know i wasn't really interested in that particular bunch of people and so i stayed away yeah yeah i, I, I yeah totally every one of them i'd read the novels as they came out way before because back then it was like a month in advance mm. novel, and I read all the way up until it was Obi Wan and Qui Gon in the reactor, and I shut the book and I said no. I mm. think that's what happens, and I was right. <laughs> I shelved it, and so I read the end yeah. and get back from the theater, and I did that with all of them. Because, no, I think I read Revenge of the Sith because I was like, I know how this ends. You know, I, I basically yeah <laughs> yeah throw and went oh yeah man. yeah yeah you you you'd read the you'd read the. I assume you'd read the 1983 Return of the Jedi novelization at some point. Yeah, fight none prior, of them. Prior to that. Yeah. You read that sort of weird Obi-Wan version of events where they, they, yeah. fought, they fought on a volcano. Yeah. Um, which was to be taken with a large pinch of salt, I guess. I guess. From a certain point of view, yeah. It is true, from a certain point of view. Yeah. <laughs> but in that version, if I remember correctly, um, Obi-Wan says that uh, Owen Lars was, was Obi-Wan's brother. Now, I, I thought about that because when I was watching Kenobi this last year, year before, he says, I think I remember having a brother. How cool would it be if they were? If he was taken from the Lars, uh, Obi-Wan on Corsa. Mm, I thought, huh, maybe. Yeah, well, like the little- uh, 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 of course, George, George Lucas stuck a pin in that with his uh, appearance on the Jon Stewart show. Yeah. When he uh, on the cuff decided that Obi Wan came from Stu John, <laughs> yeah, Stu John, <laughs> which I think um, everybody everybody at Lucasfilm felt they had to enter into the official holocron as actual canon fact at the time. <laughs> really? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's still regarded as canon in in the new canon era. Uh-huh. But yeah. um, a- anyway, anyway. Let, let let's get let's get on with um let's let's get into the subject matter for this week's episode. We're we're talking about the old republic, the lost sons, and as they indicated at the top of the show, uh, this was actually the first of these old republic comics to actually get a print release as a sort of traditional monthly comic, um with five issues dropping from June to October twenty eleven. Um, paving the way for the release of the Old Republic online game in December of that year. So I guess that that varies a bit from what we'd seen before, Jess, with yeah. um, the previous two miniseries being released online in sort of smaller chunks. 
um, which I think certainly in the case of Thread of Peace, I think we felt made for a very, very messy, disjointed dog's dinner of a comic, quite frankly. Um, But fortunately, here we are, we're back in the hands of writer Alexander Freed, um, and he'd written the, um, I think what we regarded, safe to say, as the better of those two previous miniseries, which was Blood of the Empire. And Freed, of course, was uh, he'd been a writer on the online game and would go on to write a number of novels in the new canon, um, Twilight Company, Rogue One novelization, Alphabet Squadron trilogy. Um, in, in terms of timeline, we're still in the year uh, 3643 BBY, as we were last time around for Fatal Alliance. Uh, it, the events of the online game also commence in that year. And there are a couple of references in this comic. Um, and I had to check Wikipedia just to double check this. That, that do suggest this story, in fact, take place, takes place early on during the events of that game. Um, there was a couple of little moments, you know, just a little bit of sort of basal exposition where they refer to incidents happening somewhere else. That, and something, you know, so something in the speech gets a little sort of treatment in bold type, um, kind of a nod and a wink, like, yeah, you're meant to know about this. Um, and and I, I looked it up on Wikipedia and I was like, yeah, okay. So they're referring to stuff that's kind of happening simultaneously in the game. Um, so finally, here we are after. Um, probably you know, at least 18 months worth of publish a publishing initiative with a number of novels, a number of comics. We're finally getting uh, catching up to the actual time frame of the game and then sort of getting a proper, I think fair to say, maybe the start of some joined up storytelling. We'll, we'll see what we think as we chat about this. Right. Um, yeah. In terms of plot, we're in, in terms of plot, we're introduced to Theron Shan. He's this, illegitimate secret and estranged son of Jedi Master Satali Shan. He's in his 20s by this point, working for the Republic Strategic Information Service. Uh, He's a spy. Um, He's tasked with finding long lost Jedi Master Nagani Zo, who is rumored to have returned from Sith occupied space. Uh, Zo was in fact the Jedi Master who taught Satali Shan and to whom Satali Shan turned when she needed someone to raise her son in secret. Uh, Along for the ride is Twi'lek smuggler Tefeth, uh, who is captured by Theron while on an earlier mission and is reluctantly dragged along on the subsequent adventures with Theron and Zoe. Uh, together, they uncover uh, diabolical Sith technology, uh, masterminded by Darth Mechus, uh, and uh, they must do what they can to strike a blow before a, a host of Sith super weapons can be unleashed against the Republic. So, headline thoughts, Jess. Um, I know that you enjoyed Alexander Freed's previous uh, Old Republic comic, The Blood of the Empire. How did this one go for you? This one is easily the best of the whole lot of them, of the top media tie-in games. Definitely. Read this one, and if you have a chance, read it before you read it, the novel Annihilation. Especially that. I yeah. didn't do that, and I was like, oh. So. Yeah. I had that experience earlier this year. I read Annihilation for the first time, and when I did so, I was very glad that I had just come straight from my first reading of this comic, um, because it was quite clear that a lot of the characters set up with Theron and just the general yeah. background. Um, I think anybody's reading of Annihilation, I think, would be helped by having read this comic first. And interestingly. Um, I was just listening to the latest podcast episode um, from This Dad Reads, Jason, who joined us last time to talk about Fatal Alliance. Uh, and he was chatting about 
um, his thoughts on Annihilation. And I, I, I'd like to have it. I think we'll bring Jason back on in the new year to chat Annihilation with us. Uh, but sort of his headline view was that maybe he, he felt that with Annihilation, while he enjoyed it, he was missing a lot of the background lore from the old yeah. Republic generally because he's not as steeped in it. Yeah. And I can't help but think that anybody's reading of Annihilation would be helped ju- just by reading this comic. 100%. You know, without diving back into all the other stuff, you know? No, his relation with Satil, you know, a little bit with Nagani show. Like, Nagani isn't in Annihilation, but they mention him a lot. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, we really do. Should, if you can, pick up the... It's in the, one of the Anubises. Look it up, find it. That's how I've got it. In, like, the fourth yeah. old Republic Anubis. Yeah, I hate that word. It's one of those that I don't... Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be in that old Republic omnibus. Yeah. It, it'll be digital somewhere. And you, you know what? The, the trade paperbacks are out there. I, I picked up the trade paperbacks of this and the other two old Republic miniseries only a couple of years ago on the second-hand market, and the prices weren't crazy. So they're they're out there. They're out there. Okay, so let, let's talk about some of these characters, Jesse. Um, let's talk Theron Shan. I mean, I, I thought he was quite a good character with an interesting backstory and some very nice character moments in there. Um, what about him do you like? I, his lineage is great and just that he's not a Force user. You know, this is a story. He's got mm. the, the family connections, so to speak. But this is one of the few stories about just a spy. And a slicer, and that just tickles. Yeah. There's not not enough. They're mostly just Jedi on a mission stories in the old, especially as of the old Republic. Jedi on a mission, Jedi on a mission, Jedi on a mission, and then we've got a spy story. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And I really enjoy his character growth and the little everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the nearest thing we got to something like this in the old Republic was maybe Deceived, where yeah. The, the character of Zerud, the, smug, the smuggler, was quite a prominent character. But again, he, he was very much sharing that narrative with um, the Jedi, um, whose name is escaping me right now. This is almost certainly the first um, Old Republic story that's, that really focuses that the central character is not a Jedi or a Sith, yeah. uh, not a Force user at all. Um he, and you know, and he's quite cool. He, he he kind of looks to me. I mean, I think the 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 way he's drawn um, is a little inconsistent in the comic book. Uh, I th- yeah. They often forget to put his little cybernetics around his eyes in the artwork. Yeah. Um, but he sort of looks to me like a cross between. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are you are with Star Trek Voyager, Jess. And I know you do like I the Star it, Trek. Yeah. But he kind of looks to me. Yeah, he, he looks to me a bit like a cross between Chakotay and Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, yeah, he really does. He, 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 it, particularly in some of the cover art, he looks quite like the guy Robert Beltre and the actor who plays Chakotay. Yeah, he, he looks like Chakotay. But they... Yeah, but there were these eye implants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he's got these eye implants like Seven of Nine, or sort of around where Chakotay would have had his, his tattoos, tattoos yeah. tribal tattoos. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that was a deliberate sort of tip of tip of the hat from by the artist, but um, I sort of once had seen that I couldn't get it out of my head. But anyway, he, he, he's a very cool character. He's a spy. He's he's got some cool gadgets, not only his cybernetics, but which he, he sort of he's got these cranial implants that he sort of hacks into things we're using. He, he's got this cool gauntlet, sort of voice activated with his yeah. powers, toxic darts. You know, yeah. Um, you know, he, he's 
he's not suave like James Bond, but he's got the gadgets. You know, yeah. it's kind of cool, actually. I don't know about you, but I I certainly find the well, I know you you mentioned that you find the idea of his lineage, his heritage, uh, interesting. Yeah, and this idea that he is the the son of Satelli Shan. He's related to Revan. Like, this guy is literally a scion. Um, yeah, he's a a nobody, a spy, not a nobody, but to the Jedi, yeah, he's a nobody. He's just a a, a lowly spy. I think it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, and we see that that's fascinating, and we see it sort of unfolding in flashback, and we see these scenes between him and Nagani Zo, um, when they're younger, and Nagani Zo is trying to teach him to use the Force and to commune with the Force, and. He's just not feeling it. It's just not yeah. there for him. Uh, and, and he even makes a pilgrimage to a Jedi temple. And they just tell him, sorry, um, son, you ain't, yeah. you ain't got the stuff. Yeah. You're not going to be a Jedi, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I guess it, I immediately had this sort of flashback to the very, very first novel that we read for Legends Library that we chatted about, the... Dawn of the Jedi into the yeah. Void, and the, the character of Daly and Brock, who mm -hmm. just didn't have the stuff, or or he refused to commune with the Force. He just wasn't getting it. He just yeah. wasn't there. Um, uh, and that sent him off on a very, very different yeah. path. Yeah, had a similar beginning, but I think um, I think Theron tried. I just think he just didn't have it. But I'm not yeah, sure. yeah, agreed. But first issue but, again interesting to see that i mean he you get the sense that theron rules with that punch pretty well yeah you know? it's it still but it still bothers him you mm -hmm. know and that's clear he, he yeah. still feels that he doesn't really want to be reminded i think he says at one point he doesn't really like being reminded of, of what he isn't and, and, yeah. and what might have been um but by the same token he's turned out pretty damn all right oh, actually yeah um without without all that um there's no mention here of his father there is not. Uh, and you know w without spoiling anything that might you turn know. up in the novel annihilation i mean if, you, if you're reading this chronologically as, as we have been i guess we might be you, you might sort of initially assume that, that his father could be Lieutenant Tavis from yep. that miniseries Tavis from the, that Stalley yeah. had that little dalliance with. Yep. Um, although I, I guess I'm not sure that quite stacks up timeline-wise in terms of how Theron, how old Theron is here. Yeah. I, I'd need to go and double check a timeline, a timeline spreadsheet. Um, but because uh, I guess yeah. I think his parents matter older on. So, I mean, it's safe to say that the timeline works in terms yeah. of who we who is revealed to be his father further down the line. All right, so that's Theron Shan, sort of um, spy with with a, with a backstory and sort of a you know sort of a, a reluctantly maybe revisiting his Jedi heritage um, as this journey goes along. Let, let let's think about Nagani Zoo then. Um, this Jedi Master. We, we first meet this guy as a vagrant telling war stories to, to whoever's going to listen, really. Um, actually, he, his narration opens up the first issue, doesn't it? Um, and sort of, you, you see some of this, some of these great bat, great battles. Mm -hmm. Let me get, doesn't he open up all of them? 
Oh, quite possibly. Um, I, I read it in the trade paperback, which, um, in the style of the older trade paperbacks, doesn't oh, actually they, oh, tell you when, yeah. wh- where the issue breaks are. Okay, my, um, yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I almost think that at the beginning of every issue, he opens it up. Oh, cool. Cool. Could be mistaken, but at least first and last, because I, I went over the last one this morning. Gotcha. Yeah, he's sort of a crazy, talkative, vagrant kind of a guy. When we, like, I don't know, uh, like, like if old Ben Kenobi lost lost his marbles and spent years yeah. homeless in the streets of Mos Espa, that's the kind of vibe he's yeah. giving off in those early scenes, right? You know, yeah. uh, I mean, he's he's certainly damaged. It's it's not always clear how much of it is an act. No, you're, and you're not. I'm not. I was thinking throughout this the whole time. I'm like, how much of that was an act? And I don't have an answer for it. Because little, but I've done a little bit of elder care, and it might not have been an act at all. People have their moments where they're way, yeah, there, and then they're right way with you, and then they're way back over there, yeah. And so I wasn't really sure. Good, heck of a character. I really, really yeah, like I, mean, I, I think Theron's, yeah, Theron's initial assumption is that it's an act of some sort when he finally catches catches up with him. Yeah, there's definitely something in the dialogue to that effect. He, he his lightsaber is broke. And then they get somewhere and he, it's not actually broken. He says, oh, it's broken. And then they get attacked and then takes out the lightsaber and defends them. Mm. And he calls them on it. And he says, oh, I, I don't remember. What that or something like that. Yeah, he, he tries to hide that fact. Does he, does Tef, the Twi'lek Tefeth sees him taking out the lightsaber uh, while Theron is trying to get the ship taking off. Yeah. Uh, and he says to Tefeth, let's just keep that between ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but then Theron, you're right, calls calls him out on it because he's seen him on the security cam or something. Yeah. Um, and, and it's clear at that point then that he does, you know, he's he's got his marbles and he's trying to, he says he was trying to test Theron and or to see what Theron's yeah. abilities were. There's a there's a, a particular dialogue in there where he remembers there's a problem, but he can't remember what the problem is. And the the drawing, it just it was so yeah. powerful. It reminded me of dementia. Yeah. Because he says, I know we're supposed to be doing something. There's a tear coming down. And she says, But I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And I think he's actually yeah. he's demented. But like actually demented yeah not a lunatic but this guy his marbles are gone but he's yeah yeah he's dead there are definitely some i mean i guess it's it's not clear whether that's just sort of a an age-related senility or 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 if it's more to do with something traumatic that's occurred to him while in sith space i think it's it's heavily implied i think that that, that's probably the case Um, and maybe then it's sort of an early example of Alexander Freed showing his interest yeah. in trauma sure. and what trauma does to people. Because uh, I, th- I think as we talked about before, Alexander Freed knows his onions when he's when he's writing yeah. traumatized characters. You can always be promised a good book and a happy book when you read Alexander Freed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Love it, but you might um, by the end of it. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Naganizo there are, are kind of a crank, cr- crazy old wizard version of the Jedi who um, does indeed make the sacrifice, <laughs> yeah. um, so that others can escape in the end. Very, very much fitting the um, the original old Ben mold there. 
Um, so there's a lot of serious business going on, but we've got we've got this other character, Tefeth, here, who's I, I guess is the comic relief. I mean, she's never <laughs> entirely just written for laughs, though. At least that's not how I read it. Um, you know, she's a force to be reckoned with, and, and I guess by the end there is a respect between her and Theron. Mm-hmm. Did you like Tefeth? I did. I always liked Tefeth. She's just the fact that no, no, like I, said, I really wish that found this. Uh a decade or decade and a half ago and read it because i liked her in the other one but she's always like she doesn't want anything to do with any of this and they keep pulling her back and it's really funny i mean her yeah. her response to it is funny too yeah, yeah. but it's not like I said, it's not necessarily comedy and nagani does see something in her and so there's it's good she's good and i get the two stories blending mm. because uh, well they're really Lost Sons is a really giant prequel. So I'm not trying to... She's good. Yeah, as I was rereading this um, comic in preparation for our chat, I was reminded that she then came comes back in Annihilation. And um, like yourself, I think I'd sort of muddled in my mind her role in the comic and in, in the novel. Um, what I will say is that I enjoyed her so much in this comic that I was really pleased to see her come back and play yeah. a, pr- a reasonably significant role yeah. um, in, uh, in, no. in the novel as well. And, and, and something else I really appreciated about her was she's a Twi'lek female mm-hmm. um, in a Legends comic. Fully clothed and intelligent. Fully clothed <laughs> and, in, you know, in, yeah. In, intelligent, yeah. And, and, and has, you know, self-possessed, has her own agency. And instead of making her overly voluptuous in an, obvious way they yeah. get, instead they give her these ridiculous head tails that her leku are are they the ridiculous they're like ahsoka <laughs> they're um, they're a, rebels they're like what you down to her yeah they're crazy yeah they're absurd they're absolutely absurd um and I, I i do have a little bit of a quibble with the artwork because the the length of them varies panel to panel um in the comic book but um She's she's a wonderful character, uh, and you're right. She is intelligent, uh, even though she speaks in this kind of I like pigeon English sometimes. Really you know, broken, really terrible English. Uh, and it's just, it's, yeah, it's like, good brain on her shoulders, good head on her. Like, everything is st- stupid, fancy spy man. Yeah, you know, um, all third person. Yeah, yeah, and her her antipathy for Theron Shan is always on display. Yeah. But she's she'll do it for Nagani, as you say, Nagani. So yeah, she likes. Yeah, yeah, and I think. I think you're you're right. He sees something in her, and mm. she's responding to that. They have this really interesting bond, and at the end, at the end, when she's helping out Theron, yeah, um, she says, this, "Well, it's because he he likes you, like you, yeah, <laughs> you know." So yeah, Tefeth, uh, I think a wonderful character. Re- I mean, I- I'm not entirely sure why Theron drags her around. <laughs> to be honest, probably it's probably because this is his dad, um, Nagani. Honestly, like. If that's uh, one of the few ties that he can deal with, because he doesn't want to deal with his mom or his dad, because he doesn't know them. And he knows yeah, they both gave him up, yeah, and the only tie yeah. he has to Nagani is Tefeth, and I think mm-hmm. in that mission. And so he keeps probably pulling her back. Yeah. There's like five years in between the two stories, and you get the feeling that in between there, he had pulled her into a couple of more things. She's like, oh my gosh, leave me alone when he calls her. So, yeah, I, I think it was... Yeah, he, he well, misses Nagani though, 
they're going to be reaching out to her because they have that bond. Absolutely. I, I think tech, I think it's actually only a year or so between oh. okay. the events of this novel, or the, this comic and the novel, because I think the novel takes place sort of a year after the events of the sort of the main game okay. wrap up. And I think that's kind of, so that's all happening within a sort of, a few months yeah. or something Aren't and then an annihilation is just kind of a year so but, but i think you're right but whenever they catch up with one another or rather theron catches up with her and drags her back into the mess um they've clearly had a few more interactions i think yeah um and, and she she is kind of fed up of being dragged probably dragged into stuff um i know theron is in the game um i never actually I, well i not never but i played it for like half an hour in 2009 or something and mm. I was like, no, my computer didn't work. Yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> so I have no idea. But I do know that Theron shows up in the game yeah. quite a bit. I, th- I think so. I mean, so possibly mm. she does too. I don't know. Yeah. I, in fact, I I haven't checked that out. I, I know that he does for sure. And, and recurring, I think, yeah. a lot of the expansions and whatnot. Let's think about antagonists and the, and the plot here, really. Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be an Old Republic story without a Sith antagonist. Yeah. Um, here we've got Darth Mechis, uh, who's maybe unusual, perhaps, insofar as we don't often see female Sith who appear to be cybernetically enhanced. Often it's, you know, burly male Sith who's got robotic bits here and there. And she's got a bit of a backstory here with Nagani Zo and Satelli Shan, and she's masterminding this Sith technology, the Sun Razor, which feeds off suns to produce vast stores of energy, which power the creation of a vast array of Sith super weapons. Um, did you enjoy her as an antagonist here and the plot that's kind of set in motion by her as the antagonist? I did. Um, I really did. I, mm. I'm going to pause you there for a second. I always, I, when I was looking at her, she felt like a callback to Lumia or Lumaya from the really old Marvel comics from the eighties. And she was the first oh, cyborg. Okay. Cyborg. Ah. And, um, like probably nineteen. She shows up in the legacy of the Force, and they explain how the the Marvel comic canon is blended in. Oh wow! But for me, I was like, "What?" But the first, yeah, the first Sith cyborg I saw was her, other than Vader, obviously. Um, cool. So I, yeah. my brain went another way. But you're right; there were not a lot in between them. No, no. I mean, you're right. She does have the look of like a sort of a 1970s, 80s comic cyborg, doesn't she? She looks very, it, it's very sleek and silver and clean lines. And, you know, it. it's it's not the kind of gritty, no. slightly more visceral take on Sith cyborgs that you tend to see. They probably did that because she was female. And as neat as it would be to see, um, like, in the Knights of the Republic, that guy who was... I forget what his name was. I shouldn't, because he was terrifying. Uh, I was going to say Malgus, but that's not right. M- Malak, Darth Malak, Darth with the new Dion. jaw. No, like Darth Dion, yeah. or he was like the big bad. Of... Oh, you mean Knights of the uh, Old Republic Two, the Sith Lord. The Knights of the Old Republic. No, not the game. The with Zane Carrick and. Oh, um, he calls himself. It was Hazin. Darth Hayes. Yeah. Darth Hazin. Hazin. Oh, yeah. if they had yeah. given us a female version of that, I think it would just live on in our nightmares. <laughs> I think that's why you get the, yeah. the cyborg. Yeah, the yeah. Sli- slightly cl- cleaner, polished up version of the cyborg. <laughs> huh. um, I-, I guess I enjoyed seeing kind of a return to, you know, we- we've seen it countless times before, but it was, I guess it's, you know, it- it's still classic Star Wars, isn't it? Sith super weapons. 
you know yeah with sort of with, with crazy names like sunraiser and uh uh the ascendant spear and the shadow thing or other and th- there's a whole bunch of them i don't honestly remember the names and, and yeah and, and there's some again in, in some of the first hints at proper joined up storytelling that we've had in this old republic project yeah. um the there the these seven worlds that formed part of the basis of the treaty of coruscant that the republic had to cede to the sith empire there's a reason for that given here and that these particular seven sons going to the title of the comic the lost sons are particularly suitable for this process that the sun razor has to extract the energy from the suns and therefore fuel the creation of all these super weapons and you know that was the first time that i felt like some dots were being joined in, in in a way um which, which was nice to see finally after several comics and several novels, you know. Um, it, it sort of, it sort of, it felt like there'd been thought <laughs> and there was a plan, you know, that had gone into it on the part of the writers uh, as, as much as anything else. Um, so before we head into to, into final thoughts, Jess, is there anything else that that you think we should touch on on the Lost Sons? I think we've actually hit all of the notes, other than more well, the main note again. Definitely, if you haven't read the story and you haven't read Annihilation, read this first if you can. Find it on YouTube. Find yeah. it in the library. It's there. Do it. Like, 100%. If you haven't read Annihilation, yeah. yeah. So, that's really the only thing I can't press enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, something just popped into my head, Jesse. Um, is that final scene between Theron and Satelli Shan? Yeah. Where he actually goes to... He reports Tython to, I guess, to, to go to deliver the news about Nagani Zo being dead, mm. and I guess she already read the report, so I guess she was sort of wondering why you, why this guy from um, from Republic Security had come to tell her himself, and I guess he was probably just using it as an excuse to go and see his mother, yeah. but he doesn't let on that he's her yeah. son, and it's just a really nice scene between the two of them, and she's curious about you think him and he's just satisfied i think to have seen her yeah do you, do, you, do you think maybe she knew i think so i think maybe she knew he probably looks like his father yeah. and her and she knew nagani raised him mm. so yeah he probably was like maybe but and being a the jedi grandmaster yeah she could figure it out but i guess that, that makes the scene even more fascinating isn't yeah. it that she that, that you know she, she she chooses again in that moment to be the Jedi Grand Master rather than right. be a mother. Yeah. You know, um, which, um, again, is is great character set up for what's coming later in, in the novel, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Jess. Um, it, it's a really good prequel to that novel. And... Um, if there's anybody out there listening who maybe does struggle with, with the Old Republic novels in terms of having the sense that maybe they're missing some of the background, um, I think all you really need to enjoy Annihilation more is to read this comic. Um, and any of the other any of the other lore in the background is, is gravy, but this is kind of key, I think, to, yeah. um, to, to prepping you for that one. 
but that definitely helps. I can't wait to actually throw on Annihilation and listen to it. So, yeah, to jump back. Yeah, likewise. Go over it. Yeah, I, I'm going to re-listen to Annihilation in preparation for our chat in the new year about it. Um, I'll, I'll give that a revisit on audio uh, over the holidays. I'm very much looking forward to it, um, particularly having freshened up again on, on this comic. Um, all right. I mean, I think that's going to wrap things up for, for, for this week's episode of Legends Library. Um, Jesse, it's a pleasure as always. It's good to see you again, talk to you again. Um, where can the folk listening find you uh, and follow your Star Wars journey? You can find me on Instagram at Legends Twin Sign 1980. I'm pretty much there whenever Fantastic. you need me. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and should it be that, that folk out there don't hear enough of me rambling on this podcast, uh, you can find me on Instagram and threads as at Journals of the Wills. That's Journals with an S and Wills with an H. Uh, and of course, you can reach out to the podcast team on all the usual social media channels. And there you're looking for at SWBC Podcast. Um, all being well, we will have a final episode uh, of Legends Library of 2023 next week when I'll be talking to a new guest about the on about the Old Republic online game itself. Um, there'll also be the year's last episode of Canon Catch-Up uh, dropping next week as well. Uh, and all being well, during Christmas week, there should be a number of treats dropping, including what we hope is the first annual Star Wars Book Community Holiday Quiz, uh, a roundup of our highlights of the year, and uh, indeed this uh, an episode dedicated to the second annual Star Wars Book Community Awards. It'll be the first time that we're talking about them on the podcast and not just on, on social media um so so stay tuned to our social media for information about how to vote for your 2023 favorites um for the award show um i mean all that remains to say is goodbye so it's a goodbye from jesse huh? so long right may the force be with you and it's a goodbye from me thanks for listening folks and we'll catch you next time on the star wars book community podcast 